This is Andrea. And Connie's here. And we've just been wondering about all things church or theology or discipleship or Jesus. In 20 minutes or less. This is Just just wondering. Wondering. Well, Connie, you're getting me excited. I don't know. Peter might have been my last pick. And I think discipleship goes deeper than that. That Jesus could sign. Really? Like, I just rose from the dead and like you're still on that. I thought we had moved past this by now. Today we're wondering about young adults, church engagement, and the language that we use that can sometimes be detrimental. Come, wonder with us. Churches are getting older and older in age Mm -hmm. because we're losing younger and younger people. Mm -hmm. I heard a lot of older church members express concern about not having the young people here or not having the young families or how do we keep them engaged. It always seemed like they were more concerned with how do we continue our legacy in the church? We know we're all going to retire soon or pass away soon and we don't want the church to die when we do. So from my perspective as a young adult, sometimes the language that they used made me feel like they just wanted me for their own agenda. They didn't particularly care about me or my family or God's work in our lives. They wanted us in the church just so we could continue to do what they're doing. I'm older than you, and so I've become less cynical as I've gotten older. You think I'm cynical? I'm just kidding. I'm totally cynical. <laughs> I'm not going to name it here for, for you know, people. But um, hey, An art critic loves art. A church critic loves the church. <laughs> there you go. That's true. I, I guess I would give people benefit of a doubt. Okay. They may use the wrong language. Their hearts may be in the right place. True. But yes, words matter. And when we talk about what it is that we dream for people, um, even that's kind of audacious language. How should I, why should I be dreaming anything for you? Right. It's your life, right? But if we dream for a life uh, in Christ and what that means, um, in part, that's going to mean connecting with a body of believers, Um, Mm -hmm. because we know that that's even scriptural. There's a scriptural basis for that, that we we grow together, and we do other things together that helps us become um, better disciples. So, yeah, we should be talking about, when we talk about this, we ought to be talking about what we would want for anyone's experience in Christ to be, and how that takes place in, an, in being a part of this particular body. You know, that's actually a phrase that I've heard a few times. You and Jason both have said, since I've been here at 2BC, is that it's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. Mm-hmm. That we know that you participating in these discipleship practices and in the life of our church community is going to benefit your life. Mm-hmm. We want these things for you, mm-hmm. not these things from you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important distinction, especially as we talk about young adults and their engagement mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. I think about um, how hard it must be to, <laughs> to be raising children. <laughs> Maybe anytime. I'm sure, I'm sure I was hard to raise, but but any children, anytime, it's it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Andrea, I watch you parents with with these little guys and they're lovable little guys but oh my goodness no wonder parents are worn out but I think about there's a centering and anchoring uh, option that you have as a family 
if you will allow a relationship to Christ to be that for you. Yes. And an invitation to the Holy Spirit to be alive and at work in your family and and in your marriage and in your relationship to grandparents. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on, right? Right. And it's not automatic. And it's not autopilot. And well, and it doesn't just come just by you raising your family in the church for no, their entire life. No. Make sure you go every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. That's no guarantee yeah. that your children are seeing a lived relationship with Christ, yeah. that your children are developing their own relationship with Christ or seeing the Holy Spirit move throughout the community and the relationships there. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I'm glad you said that because, you know, when I, Look at you and Aaron, your husband, you mm-hmm. know, and you've got two children, one on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting your children in a church building is obviously not the whole story for you all. No. So what do you do? What do you do? I mean, personally, <laughs> what do you transparently here? What do you do <laughs> that that you hope is going to impact them in a way that that it's they don't see it as a relationship to just a, a church but more the relationship to to a living Christ right you know i think there are there are a few ways that i would answer this question and of course since my children are still young i have no idea if this is actually going to work for them by the time they're young adults but let's you know we can pray and we can hope we're going to hold out hope <laughs> right um One of the things that I think benefits our children specifically in kind of a unique way is that Aaron and I are both ministers at two different churches. Mm -hmm. So they don't associate one church with where they go to meet God or where they go to meet other people. They understand the church family as just a little bit broader than that. And that you can participate in more than one church and you can have family relationship and community in these various capacities. I don't mean to express that I think we should all be church consumers and just find which church we like, Mm -hmm. or I like this program from here and this program from here, because I think there's something about investing in a fellowship of believers that's more than just pick and choose which parts you like. Mm -hmm. But I think that they don't associate God with one particular building. Mm -hmm. They don't associate holy things with one particular place. And I think, I hope that that's to their benefit. But the, another thing that Aaron and I deliberately try to do is we try to work God and Jesus and Holy Spirit into our regular everyday conversations. Mm-hmm. So when we do things or when we choose not to do things, we try to make sure we explain them in terms of we do this because we feel like this is what God calls us to be as followers of Christ. This is how God wants us to live in the world. And we open ourselves up to allow our kids to ask questions or to argue with us if they need to. Mm -hmm. And this might be part of my upbringing, but I also work really hard to never make church something that we do because we have to. This is just what we do. We go to church on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is just what we do. We're involved in this. Mm -hmm. It's here's why we choose to do this. Here are the benefits that Aaron and I have seen in our own lives. We've seen God work in amazing ways through church people who have cared for us in some of the most difficult times of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we try to tell our kids those stories. Here's what a church community can do for you. Here's how God works through us to care for other people. And God works through other people to care for us. And God also wants to work through us to care for the world. And so we try, speaking of language being Mm -hmm. important, Mm -hmm. we really try to 
incorporate the language of spirituality, the language of relationship with God into our everyday realities instead of just letting it sit for one hour on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you talk about that. It makes me um, remember my own upbringing. Mm -hmm. My father did not, was not nearly as articulate as my mother was in her expressions of faith. Um, she wouldn't even, I don't think she would have said spirituality. I don't think she would have used that <laughs> word, but but she would have talked about her faith or her Christian faith. She would have been specific about uh-huh. it. Mm-hmm. Um, or she would use language like relationship to Jesus, Yeah, you know. And they, particularly she, modeled for my brother and I prayer. She she prayed on her knees by her bedside every evening. I saw that growing up. And you know, little kids, you, you slip out of bed and you sneak in. <laughs> to. Sometimes I would sneak in to watch TV in the living room. But, <laughs> but sometimes I would, I would sneak in just to look in their bedroom mm-hmm. to see what, what they were they sleeping. And I would see her kneeling. Uh, and I, on occasion, I saw my dad kneel. She also had a practice of coming to my brother's bedroom and my bedroom uh, and prayed with us each night. And first we started with a memorized kind of prayer. And then she encouraged us to begin to think, you know, you could start with that prayer, but but is there anything else you'd like to thank God for? And so she really was teaching us how to pray. And part of, of our Christian faith development at home was singing hymns with my mother. Oh, yeah. And none of us were great musicians, but, you know, uh, isn't there a psalm about making noise to the Lord? <laughs> making and that, a joyful know, noise doesn't yeah. mean a good one. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what we did. And so, as you're saying, you and Aaron try to do, our experience of Christian faith and Christian tradition mm-hmm. was not just Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, and I can remember at times uh, she would would simply ask me, now, if you want to please Jesus, do you think that this does that? And she did it in a very loving and kind way. I didn't feel judged. It was like she was asking me in an honest kind of way, are you thinking about what you're doing or what you're saying? Connie, you're giving me flashbacks because my mom would say very similar things to me. I have an older sister, mm-hmm. and we are close in age. We're almost two years apart. Oh, wow. And we fought all the time growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it was almost always her fault. However, <laughs> on the rare occasions where I could take any of the blame. Really rare. Really, <laughs> really rare. Really rare. Uh, when my mom would have conversations, she would say, do you think that's how God wants you to treat your sister? Mm-hmm. When when the Bible tells us to to love others and to love our enemies as ourselves, is this what you think Jesus would really want you to do? And again, it maybe sounds more judgmental the way I'm saying it, but it was right, very gentle right. and kind. Yeah, yeah. And I remember one time responding with, I don't care what Jesus wants me to do. I just want to be mad. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, we would keep coming back to this conversation multiple mm-hmm. times as we, you know, continue to fight. And it really did get in me that, even my conscience, when when I would say, well, I feel like I know I shouldn't have done it, but I did anyway. And my mom would say, well, honey, that conscience, that's the Holy Spirit in you, mm-hmm. leading you in the mm-hmm. way that Christ wants you to live. And you have a choice whether you whether or not you listen to it. Yeah, she was and, teaching you spiritual discipline. Exactly. And that was really formative. Yeah. That, that likens me to, to 
one incident. I had gotten mad at my brother. He he was two years younger. We were two years apart. And I had gotten mad at him about something. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had been on ponies. And I had actually tied him up on the backside <laughs> of the backfield <laughs> on a fence post <laughs> and left him. <laughs> and... And really didn't care at the moment if if he got back home or not. Got to the house, and Mother asked me where he was. And I said, well, he's still out there where where we were. And, uh, of course, she was immediately suspicious, immediately suspicious of where my brother was. And that was another time of, now, is, is this... This is how God wants you to to act. You know, I can, I can remember just real lovingly looking at me, and I remember my response was something like, "I'm not sure. I'll get back with you." <laughs> 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 and to be clear, no, it was not how God wanted me right. to act. So I rode back out. He'd already untied himself. So all it, it all ended well. It worked out. He's safe at his house at the Lake of the Ozarks. I can assure you. But yeah. There's a there's a real way that our language affects even how we grow up thinking about God. Like you and I mm-hmm. have both said, our moms were able to do this in gentle, non-judgmental ways. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard people do it, you know, the um, be careful little eyes what you see because God is always watching you like this mm-hmm. foreboding, yes, yes. angry Scary, being. Yes, like God. you better not mess up because God's going to know. And it becomes more of this intense, angry judge who's looking down on you instead of this gentle, loving being who wants what's best for you. I also I also was acquainted with a household, and their punishment to their children was to send them to a room and have them read Scripture. Reading the Bible is punishment. Yeah. What do we think yeah. that's going to do to our kids when they're older? So I do think that incorporating language and incorporating faith or spirituality into more than just one hour on a Sunday morning where we go because we have to is helpful as it comes to um, helping kids see a more expansive Jesus, right? Like we talked about last time, a more mm-hmm. expansive understanding of this. Mm-hmm. I also wonder, and I'd really love to hear what you think about this. What is the church's role in trying to help, especially young people, but really anybody stay engaged? I'm kind of under the impression that our job, if we, if we do our job as ministers well, is to almost be facilitators of moments where people experience God. Mm. That, that mm. it's not about entertainment. It's not about just um, consumerism or figuring out what the customer, quote unquote, mm-hmm. wants. Mm-hmm. But it's about following the guiding of the Holy Spirit so that this is a place where when people do come, when they are involved with our community, they grow spiritually through either relationships with other people or the experiences that they themselves have with the Holy in our midst. Yeah, absolutely. And experiences in ways that when they leave this place physically, they leave this place, they they learn to recognize those same experiences are right in front of them. Right. And and they're actually living those experiences wherever they go. You mean the Holy Spirit is not contained to just this building? There is a rumor that <laughs> that, that is true, Andrea. <laughs> That, uh, nor just to our denomination. So what? no yeah. blasphemy. I know, I know, but just think on think on these things. That's a really great point, though. That fostering it here inside this building hopefully opens our eyes to seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm.
So all the more reason why when we aren't in this building, we are seeking to have the same kinds of spiritual disciplines and experiences that we do when we're here together. So reading scripture and praying and giving of ourselves and even finding ways to have even moments of personal worship. In addition to Sunday morning, that's all about being a disciple. But it is a discipline that we learn to listen. I think one of the reason why it seems to be getting harder as generations change is we have more and more things taking our attention away from the calm, quiet, still voice of God. It is more and more difficult for us to quiet our minds, for us to pay attention to other things. Not that it can't be done, not that people aren't doing it every day, but I think we've got more and more things pulling our attention in various ways that it is becoming, there's more of a need for intentionality in this Mm -hmm. than than maybe there has been in, in times past. Yeah. So what if before our feet hit the floor the first thing in the morning, or maybe as they hit the floor and we're sitting there, if the first thing I do is offer this day in myself to God, and you could say, well, yeah, Connie, that could work in your household because, you know, you don't you don't have a little boy waking you up at six yeah. fifteen in the morning yeah. when your alarm was set yeah. for seven fifteen. Yes, and he wants his cereal. But but what if instead of rebuffing him, actually invite him to participate in that? Mm-hmm. You say to him, you know, son, first before you get out of bed and before mommy gets out of bed. Let's give this day to the Lord and ask the Lord to guide us this day in every decision we make and every action we take. What would it take, Andrea? 30 seconds to pray that? Yep. I think that is a really great way, especially for those of us who may be wildly undisciplined. I think that is a really (laughs) great way to just even start turning our intention toward noticing toward paying better attention. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs growing up was an was a by a band called Audio Adrenaline, which was a great, <laughs> you know, rock Christian band and they have a song that says, "I want to say a prayer before my feet can hit the ground. Lord, I give this day to you." Yeah, that's it. And that was it's so simple. It took you about 14 seconds to say that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, that's yeah. This could be This post-pandemic time, what if it were a a grand invitation to sort of reset, recenter, re-anchor, and maybe in that find some renewal? You know, I've heard people talk about, I'm ready for things to get back to normal. And I've heard a few people push back on that, and I tend to agree with them. I'm not sure I want things to go back to the way they were before. I want to live better than I was living before. Before I was harried busy all the time Mm -hmm. and anxious and going from one thing to the next. I want to use this time where it could be a reset, a renewal, and to think, what would I like my life to be? How do I want to start my days? Yeah. And I think this is a perfect way to begin with. Yeah. Are there things that you're just wondering about? Connie and I would love to hear from you. Send us an email with your thoughts and we'd be happy to talk about it on the podcast. We're grateful to Charles Smith for helping us record these episodes and to Hook Sounds for allowing us to download this music titled Save the World.